Well, hey, I got uh, 24 minutes, and I got a message that I want to um, speak to you tonight, and I believe that uh, we're going to just go to a new level tonight. It's going to, just why not, man? We, we all got out of our house. We came to church. And by the way, the 5 p.m., there's nothing like the 5 p.m. It's my favorite service. Favorite service. You guys are the hungry people. Um, but uh, maybe uh, a few months ago, my, my parents were cleaning out their, their house, their garage or something. My dad always brings me over boxes like at different times to go through my old stuff. And he brought me these photos. It was a whole box of photos. And I'm looking at these photos. And uh, as I'm looking through the photos, I had two um, thoughts right away. The first one was, thank God there was no social media back in the day. Because I went to college 20 years ago. The other one was, thank God that my kids aren't looking at these photos with me. I have two kids, two boys and a little girl. And, uh, and it was like every photo that I looked at, it was either me playing, I played baseball at UCLA, it was either me playing baseball, which is cool, or it was me at a party with like my eyes half shut. And it was like there were like a keg in the background or beer cans everywhere or skull or Copenhagen, you know, Christmas trees in the back. And it was just like all this stuff. And I, and I started to almost get grieved and feel, feel bad. Like I left so much of God on the table. Like I was saved back then. I was saved back then, but I wasn't C3 saved. C3 saved is in the Bible in case you're new. It's just something that, you know, we say C3 saved people means we're all in. It means that we have purpose. It means that we have a mission. It means we want to see our city change, our families change, our, everything change. It's C3 saved. It's the all in, it's the all in people. And so I was grieved a little bit uh, in my spirit about how I used to be. I'm not that person anymore. Uh, in fact, when I, when I look back at that person, I wasn't like a bad guy. I just did a lot of stuff that I shouldn't do. And now when I look at that, I'm like, man, I'm like a brand new person. I don't even recognize that place. I don't even have the same desires, not even close. Not even, not even close. And, and it wasn't too long ago that I started, uh, I was talking to, to one of my buddies who lives in Fresno. His name is Chad. And, uh, and I was talking to him, and, and he, he actually works with Rudy the Mexican Cutie. And somehow they, they figured out that they both knew me, and they had this conversation. And I remember talking to Rudy about it, and he, started, and he was talking about how Chad was talking about the guy that he knows, the John that he knows from 20 years ago in college. And Rudy was talking about the John that he knows, which is the John that you see, who still has some things to work on. But come on, I'm growing, and I'm getting a little bit better. And so it was like Rudy didn't even know how to comprehend that John, and Chad didn't know how to comprehend this John. It was like two different people, two different people. It was like a brand new person because God doesn't want to come and just recycle you or improve you. He wants to make you brand new. When you step into the kingdom, the Bible says old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. I don't even recognize that person anymore. I've gone to a brand new level, a brand new level. The title of my message tonight is Level Up. Level up. I think that this city, South Bay, needs you and I to be operating at brand new levels if we're going to change this whole city. They, they expect us, God expects us, to level up our game. And in case you don't know what that means, let me, let me read the Urban Dictionary. It says to make a move in your life or career for the better. That's all it means. It means to go to the next level. Now, the, now the good thing about Christianity is you don't just have to go level by level by level by level. Pathfinders know this. We don't just have to go one level at a time. God can cause you to skip levels. 
God can cause you to skip levels. There's a story in the Bible where, where, where the, the king goes away and he gives money to his servants and then he comes back. He comes back to his servant who he gave a mina to, which is a, 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 a sum of money. And, the, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in very little. Have authority over 10 cities. He takes him from faithfulness over very little. And then he says, hey, I'm not gonna just cause you to go to the next level. I'm gonna cause you to skip levels and have authority over 10 cities. That's one of the advantages of being a Christian. There comes a point in time, it's like a tipping point, when all of a sudden you don't just have to go up one level, you can go up many levels in one touch. In one touch. There comes that point in time because God is looking across the whole earth to find somebody whose heart is loyal to him that he may show himself strong on their behalf. And when he finds that person, when he sees that you've been faithful in what he's given you, he can get you to that tipping point and cause you to skip levels. God is expecting us and wanting us to go to a brand new level. Romans 6, three to six says this, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So that scripture is talking about you and I, how we have been, our old man has been crucified with Christ and we've gone into the baptism of death, but then we've come alive together in his resurrection. That means the old you is dead should you decide to step into the kingdom of God. Those four or five people that came up here earlier just stepped into a brand new level. The old them was been crucified and now they've been resurrected in the resurrection with Christ Jesus. What's powerful about your old man being dead is it's very hard for the devil to come and tempt you if you're dead. He can't seduce you into looking at pornographic pictures because dead people can't see. He can't come into your life and offer you a joint and have you smoke it because dead people can't smoke. He can't put shame and guilt on you for stuff you used to do because that person is dead. And he can't put shame and guilt on something you haven't done yet. He only tries to put stuff shame and guilt on stuff that you've already done. So you can look at the devil and say, uh -uh -uh, I'm not gonna go back to that addiction. I'm not gonna go back to that lifestyle. That person is dead. I've been resurrected in Christ Jesus. And now I'm walking in the newness of life. Devil, get out of my face. The new you is powerful. The new you is righteous. The Bible says that Jesus became sin, that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The reason he says you might become is because you might not become. It's up to you. It's up to me if we want to become the righteousness of Christ. If we want to step in and we want to accept Jesus into our world and we want to crucify our old self and live in a brand new way. But because you've been, your old man has been crucified, God has now qualified you to do what he's called you to do. The Bible says in Colossians 1, 12 to 13, are you guys okay with the Bible? Because I'm going to read the Bible tonight. Colossians 1, 12, it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified, everybody say has qualified, us to be partakers of the inheritance, Pastor Stacy, of the saints in the light. 
He has delivered us. Say, has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So it doesn't matter if you feel unqualified. In fact, on Wednesday night, we learned from Pastor Jurgen, if you're an emerged man and you were there, we learned that there's a difference between, between being disqualified and unqualified. The devil wants you to think that you are disqualified, but God wants you to feel unqualified so that he can enter into your world and qualify you. Because he actually doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. If you think you're all that in a bag of chips, he ain't gonna call you because you can do all that by yourself. But as soon as you put yourself into a humble place of unqualification, now God can come in and qualify you to do what he's called you to do. And it says when he qualifies you, the reason now you can take part in the inheritance that Pastor Stacy was talking about is not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. You have a right to an inheritance that you didn't earn. How crazy is that? Most of us don't even realize there's an inheritance, so we never step into it, we never receive it, we never open the treasure box. But if I told you 2,000 years ago, somebody in your family died and left you a treasure chest full of not just money, but money included, money, power, peace, comfort, joy, purpose, mission, peace. If you had an inheritance of that, and I said, someone died to give it to you, would you not run and open that treasure chest and partake in everything that God died to give you or that person died to give you? Yes, you would, and so would I. That's what you have. You have an inheritance that you didn't earn, but that you have a right to. God has qualified you to do the things that he's called you to do. In Galatians 4, 6, it says, and because you are sons or children, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. When you get saved, when you invite Jesus into your life, that verse just says, you go from being a servant of God to a son, to a child, to a daughter. So no longer are you a servant of Christ, you're a son or a daughter who serves Christ. It's a whole different position, but it's a whole different thing but now you are a son or a daughter, and the Spirit of God comes to live in your heart. Now, a lot of us have heard the, the preaching and the teaching that says, well, your heart is desperately wicked, who can know it? And so it almost gives us an excuse to continue to go back to sin, right? Because it's just our heart, you know, it's a heart's desperately wicked, who can know it? Because it says that in Jeremiah. But Jeremiah, if you don't know the Bible, is in the Old Testament. It was before the Holy Spirit came. And when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in your heart. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So your heart is no longer desperately wicked unless you think it is. If you don't think your heart is desperately wicked, it's not desperately wicked. But if you think it is, it is. The reason I say that is because I want you to understand that you don't have to bow to those temptations and to that sin and to that lifestyle. You have been made brand spanking new. So now the Holy Ghost comes in and now your spirit has been renewed. Your spirit is now perfect. The problem is now your soul needs to align with your spirit because your spirit is perfect, but now your mind, your emotions and your will need to get into alignment with what your spirit already knows and your mind is the anchor of your soul. So now we have to go in Romans 12 2, and be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we may prove that acceptable, good, and perfect will of God. And so now you have to get your mind to align 
with your spirit and what, what your spirit already knows. Back in, uh, when I was playing baseball for so many years, we talked about this thing called muscle memory. If you're a golfer, maybe you've, you know, you've done this or heard this term, but basically it means you go out and you take thousands of swings, thousands of swings, and, and uh, so that your muscles remember the swing path. Because when you're in the box and someone's throwing 95, you don't have time to react. You just gotta do what you do. You don't have time to think, sorry, you just have to react. And so the, the more perfect your muscle memory is, the better chance you have of getting a hit. But if your muscle memory is off, or if you don't have any muscle memory, you're in a whole world of hurt when you step into that box. What I'm trying to say is you can't just read the Bible and think you're gonna renew your mind. You gotta read the Bible and then do the Bible. You gotta read the Bible and do the Bible. Faith without works is dead. So when the Bible says that a soft answer turns away wrath, you go out and you, someone's, you know, it's getting intense, you give a soft answer and you see that that wrath is turned away. And it's like, it's like that, uh, that, that uh, you going out and doing that causes a uh, psychological incision in your brain and causes your mind to be renewed to the fact that that word works. Fellas, when you lay down your life as Christ gave his life for the church for your wife and things start to work out better, it causes an incision or a pathological or a psychological pathway in your brain and renews your mind to what the Bible says and that the fact that it's true. Ladies, when you respect your husband and then you, he starts loving you better, you're like, wow, the Bible actually works. It begins to, to build those pathways into your brain. When you lay hands on a sick person, you see him recover, all of a sudden your mind starts to be renewed. Because the Spirit of God is in you and it wants to come out of you, but your mind wants to keep the Spirit of God, it's like a dam compressed inside of you. It doesn't want to let you out. So you come into the house of God and you hear things like, hey, we've been healed by His stripes. And because the Word of God is spirit and it is life, it goes right into your spirit and it brings life to you. So you get all excited and then you go outside and then your friend calls you and says, I'm sick, I'm in the hospital. So you go to the hospital. Now your spirit knows what to do because your spirit is perfect. But as you walk into the hospital room, all of a sudden you're confronted with the spirit of death. All of a sudden you see with your eyes that there's, there's tubes and there's things put in your friend and, and, and all of a sudden it looks impossible. And so instead of laying hands on the sick person, your mind stops your spirit and you say, this is impossible. That's why it's so important to renew your mind with the word of God. That's why it's so important to get into the house of God. That's why it's so important to have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's why it's so important to get into a connect group. That's why it's so important to be around the presence of God and around people that know the word of God so that you can continually renew your mind. Because six days a week, the world's trying to beat you down. The world's trying to tell you things are impossible. The world's, world's trying to, to bring you down. But your spirit is like, let me out, let me out, let me out. And now we have bouts with our old self, right? Your old thinking tries to come back in. That's why Paul said, I die daily. I die daily, I die daily. Every day we have to make a decision to crucify our flesh and come alive together with Christ. So we accept Jesus, he comes into our life, now he's living in our hearts, but the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit doesn't just wanna come and live in you, he wants to come and live on you. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's not just in you, he's on you and he's all around you. I love Iron Man because he steps into this iron suit of armor and all of a sudden he becomes this weaponized force for good, ready, willing, and able to destroy the enemy. 
All of a sudden, he's technologically advanced. He's smarter than everybody else. All of a sudden, he has guns. He can shoot you like that. He steps into this suit of armor. And what's interesting about superheroes is they usually just kind of look like normal people. They're just kind of ordinary. They have just normal jobs. It's normal people. But then when they put on the suit, something shifts. When they put on that suit of armor, when they put on that cape, when they put on that thing, all of a sudden things start to shift and they get supernatural. All of a sudden they're stronger and they, 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 they step into this brand new place, this brand new realm. They level up. They get superpowers. Where you, the Holy Spirit is your weaponized suit. And when he comes upon you, you no longer have to go back to the ordinary. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. So now when you're laying hands on a sick person, it's not you. It's like the Holy Spirit is in you, but he's also on you. And so when you touch somebody, it's like, it's the Holy Spirit because he's all around you and he's in you and he's on you. It's like, where does John stop and the Holy Spirit start? I don't know, because we're one. He's in me and he's on me. What, is that John saying that or is it the Holy Spirit? It's both. It's both because he's in you and he's on you. But the problem is we try to separate ourselves from God. But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Just like when a husband and wife comes together, they become one. When you come together with the spirit of God, you now become one. All of a sudden, whatever he says, you say. Whatever you say, he says. We have to believe that we're together with him, not separated from him. So many times we think that, that, that God is like an event-driven God, that he can only move dramatically at different times in our life, but he's not an event-driven God, he's a relational God. And he's always with you. We don't have to look for these dramatic moments when God is, is up in heaven and he's thinking, well, how can I move in their life at this point and at that point and at that? No, he's always moving. He always wants to move. He's always with you. When the Holy Spirit comes, he comes fully loaded with all nine gifts of the Spirit. Discerning of spirits, interpretation of tongues, tongues, knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, faith, healings, miracles, all nine gifts come from the second you get baptized with the Holy Spirit and you step into that weaponized suit. All of a sudden you become dangerous. And it's not like God is in heaven shooting like, like with a bow and arrow, gifts of the Spirit into the earth. Gifts of the Spirit into the earth. And we're like this, trying to catch a gift of the Spirit so that we can give it to somebody. That's not how he works. The gifts of the Spirit don't come on you. They come out of you. The Holy Spirit comes on you and then the gifts come out of you. Out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. He's not an event-driven God. You have access to him 100% of the time because you are one with him. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So now, whatever you like, he likes. Whatever he likes, you like. We're so concerned about, about being led by the Spirit. And it's, it's, it's like, it's so arbitrary. What is being led by the Spirit? Well, to make it simple, to do the will of, the will of God is right here in the Bible. And to be led by the Spirit, do the Bible. If you want to be led by the Spirit, do the Bible. Sometimes we don't have 40 days and 40 nights to fast. Sometimes we got to make a decision right now. But if we think that we got to, we got to, you know, 
be like a monk or, or you know, separate ourselves for hours at a time or, or days at a time just so that we can hear from God, so that we can be led by the Spirit, we're gonna miss out on things. If you have time, take the time. But if you don't have time, understand that you are one with Him. Understand that whatever you're saying, He's saying. Don't try to separate yourself from Him. Because the Spirit of God is in you and He's on you. When you lay hands on sick people, he follows with the power of God. You know what Smith Wigglesworth said? He's like a giant in the faith. He's like a, a Christian hero. You know what he said? If the Spirit of God isn't moving, I'll move him. In the beginning, before the Holy Spirit was given, Jesus went to his disciples and he said, follow me and I will make you, and I will make you follow me. Because they were servants. They were servants, they had yet to become sons. Once they became sons, now all of a sudden, who's leading who? I don't know. Sometimes you're led by the Spirit, sometimes you're leading the Spirit. Why? Because you guys both think the same. When I was going to speak to our, uh, our Emerge leaders last year, on the way there, God told me, tell them I'll follow them. I was like, what? So I had to work that out on my way there so I didn't blow it. I'm like, God, you'll follow them? He goes, yeah, when you go lay your hands on a sick person, then I come and follow and bring the power of God. Whatever you bind on earth, I'll back you up and bind it in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose from heaven. I'll follow you if you're walking in step with me because you're one person. We're one spirit with them. Can he lead you? Absolutely, but can you lead him? Heck yeah, because you're together. It's like you're together. When you step out to encourage somebody or prophesy, God puts the words in your tongue to speak, but he's not gonna do it unless you step out. Sometimes he's just waiting for you to submit yourself to resist the devil so the devil will flee. He's given you the power to do it, but we're waiting to be led by him. Just do it, that's what the Bible says. You don't have to pray about praying for somebody. The Bible says to do it. Just do it. Be led by the Spirit. In Luke, he sends out his disciples and he says, he says to him in Luke 10, 16, he who hears you, disciples, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. In other words, our voice is his voice, his voice is our voice. This will freak you out, I'm coming to a close. First Corinthians seven twelve. Paul, speaking, says this. He says, but to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and he is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. Not so concerned about what he's talking about with marriage, but I am concerned with what he says when he says, but to the rest, I, not the Lord, say. The reason he's able to say that is because when, if you don't know the history of Paul, he used to be Saul persecuting Christians. Then he became Paul because he encountered God. And then he didn't go to the disciples to learn his theology. He went to Arabia for three years where he got a straight download straight from Jesus himself. So when he says, the Lord doesn't say, but I say, the reason he can say that is because he knows what the Lord would say. Because he believes that he's one with him. He believes that he has the mind of Christ in him, which the Bible says we have in the Holy Spirit. So now he can say, but to the rest, I, not the Lord say, because he knows what the Lord would say. When Jesus was walking on the earth, the Bible says he never said anything. He didn't hear the Father say or do anything. He didn't see the Father do. He didn't actually stop like Sherlock Holmes and see a vision of what God was doing and saying. 
If you look into those scriptures, he just knew what God would do and he knew what God would say because he was tight with him. And that's how he wants us to do. That's how he wants us to be. He wants us to be like him. He's not gonna get mad at you if you be like him. I have two boys, like I said, and one little daughter. And especially like when my boys were young, I would teach them stuff. You know, like what every dad teaches their sons, like to flex and, you know, like kiss their muscles and say stupid stuff and do dumb dances. And, and they're kind of like dogs, right? People come over and like, do that trick I taught you, do that trick I taught you. And they do the thing and you're like, oh, it's so cute. Just like me, I taught you that, you know? We don't get mad at them for being like us. We get excited that they be like us. Jesus ain't mad at you for doing what he did. He's cheering you on. He's like, don't go heal that person. That was my role. Don't go encourage that person. That's what I, don't go love the people that are unlovable. That's what I did. No, no, no. He wants you to be like him. You and I are his ambassadors on this earth. He wants you to be like him. It makes him proud. It makes him proud. In closing, in the Old Testament, people would bring a lamb or a, an animal to the, to the altar. And it would be a lamb or a goat that is without blemish, spotless, perfect. And because there had to be bloodshed to forgive, forgive sins, they would bring that to the altar and they would kill that and there would be bloodshed. And then the people would kind of lean on the altar and, and there was an exchange that happened, the, the, the animal's perfection for their imperfection. In other words, as they, as they leaned on that altar, they would become like their offering, like the lamb. They would become perfect. It would only last for a little while. That's why they had to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. But when Jesus came, John the Baptist says, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus was the perfect lamb. He was the perfect offering. He was the perfect sacrifice, not given by us, but given by God for us. And when Jesus hung on the cross and gave his life for me and you, he gave it up as an offering, expecting that you and I would become like our offering. His perfection for our imperfection, his power for our lack of power. We don't just, Jesus didn't come and just die on a cross that we can go to heaven. That's the first step. He came to die on a cross to give us an inheritance of power, of peace, of joy, of love, of understanding, of all of these things. There is an inheritance that he died to give us. He doesn't want us just to wait till heaven to experience heaven. He wants us to bring heaven to earth. He wants us to bring heaven to South Bay. He wants us to lift up the name of Jesus because the Bible says that he will draw all men and women to himself. Come on, you are in the house of God. It is the gate of heaven. And as we lift up the name of Jesus, I'm telling you, South Bay is gonna flood in to the house of God. There's gonna be four services, then another campus packed and filled to the brim with powerhouses, understanding their inheritance. Why don't you stand to your feet? I've gone over like two minutes. Just lift your hands. I just wanna pray for you. Just only lift your hands though if you wanna to go to the next level. Come on, I believe that the Spirit of God is here. And I believe He wants to take you to a brand new understanding of what it means to be one with Him. Father, I thank you right now for the power of God. 
I thank you for what you did on the cross. I thank you that we, were st we are standing in the house of God and this is a, an open gateway to supernatural things. Father, I pray right now that those who have put limitations and built ceilings over their life, I crush them in Jesus' name. Father, I'm asking for brand new mindsets. Father, I'm asking that you would take us to brand new levels. The Bible says that you do exceedingly, abundantly above whatever you've asked or thought. Father, we give you permission right now to do things we've never asked for, to do things we've never imagined, to do things we've never prayed for. We know that you know the best things for us, so do those things which we've never even thought of before. Break us out. Cause us to skip levels, Lord. Speak to people tonight. Give them visions, give them dreams. Give them faith and boldness to do the things that you've called them to do. Father, I pray that we would get a hold of this and that we would understand that we are one with you, that you are always available, that you're in us, that you're on us, that you're around us, that we'll follow you and you'll follow us because we're one. Father, we love you. We count it a privilege and an honor to serve you. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. God bless you. Why don't you give God one more shout of praise? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.